Welcome to episode 28 of the Eye of Terror podcast. I'm George. And I'm Alec. And we play 40K. So for those of you watching on YouTube, you noticed that uh, we recorded our first video podcast. Uh, it's kind of exciting. Woo-woo. <laughs> uh, those of you on audio, of course, will continue to get the full audio. But this is, for those of you watching on YouTube, we're going to have a couple of interviews. In fact, a couple of great special guests have joined us today. You won't be able to watch them on, on the YouTube feed, but you will be able to listen to them on the full podcast feed on iTunes and Stitcher or Google Music or wherever you get our fine, fine podcast. So thank you for joining us. Uh, it's a bold new experiment in, uh, in video. And uh, we're probably going to make a lot of mistakes along the way. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But uh, we're trying to expand our, our reach and uh, say, hopefully find some new audience in the video world of YouTube. So thanks for joining us if you enjoy 40K. Okay, a lot of stuff to talk about today, starting with some brand new announcements from GW. Oh, yeah, <laughs> boys. Yeah, I like to look excited about them. Oh, yes, I am. Okay, let's start off with, uh, with the new uh, whole new Zinch army that just got released uh, and all the new Rubric Marines. Yeah. Alec, what do you think about those, those things? I cannot be happier. I cannot be happier. I physically cannot be happier. I I mean we expected we expected new rubric marines, which was like, oh, okay, they get models, whatever. And then they released a squad they released the entirely new so entirely new models for the rubric marines. And then on top of that, they release new terminators. Okay. Then they release an entirely new unit of I guess Zinch cultist equivalents, uh, Zangors, Zangors? Like, like little. Are they yeah, like? Think, are they like Zinch demons? I, I think they're. I think they're supposed to be. Like I think they're a unit. In, I think they're a unit in uh in in fantasy. Oh, okay. So I they think. may not actually be for for forty k. No, 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 no. They're being transferred for forty k. Oh, very cool. That's, okay, I think that's what that's supposed to be. Uh, and then three new sorcerers. I don't know if they're all going to be in the same box or not, but those look amazing the exalted and then, sorcerers yeah they look they looked awesome and then on top of that we get araman with yep. a uh a brand new awesome looking plastic araman model with a disc of zinch for added insanity and then on top of that we get traitor legions book a yeah. traitor <laughs> legions book exactly what everyone wanted except you know it's on new codex but besides that i'm still ah. Okay, so a lot to take in. First off, a lot of beautiful new models. If you wanted to play Zinch, a Zinch 40K Chaos Army, yeah. now you've got a bunch of great new models to do that. Uh, love the new uh, Terminators. The new Zinch Terminators are freaking awesome. They just, uh, they're like, uh, I don't know, kind of gothic, but also kind of, you know, Egyptian at the same time. Yeah, oh, yeah. They have flames coming out. They seem to have some new weapons. It's just, they just look, like overwrought and awesome kind of what the kind of like the blood angels <laughs> you know oh, yeah uh, yeah little, sort of i guess a little extra finery different different design philosophy but i guess the same oh well, actually no same design philosophy just different design yeah. and i like the uh the what gw has done with Armin. Uh, obviously they released a new Armin model with the burning up prospero box but now you have a new Armin model in the 40k so you got the 30k version in prospero and now yep. you've got the 40k version being released separately, a 40k version looks amazing. It looks awesome. Oh yeah, he looks great. It's on a the, disc the, with the with. I, I especially like the little his uh, like sorcerous hand. Yeah, like that's like emitting like flames. That looked cool. That's nice yeah. little detail. Uh, very 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 cool. 
yeah, the models all look beautiful. I don't know uh, how if you if you play chaos, you're not going to run out and get these. Of course, of they, course, they look, you they look so good. Also confirmed today, GW just confirmed uh, the release of a bunch of new codex supplements. Yep. The first one is Trader Legions. It's 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 what everyone would want. Hello, Cat. You you made our way into our podcast. Thank <laughs> thank thank you, Cat, for doing that. You, you yeah, killed you, the podcast, Cat. If you're watching what the YouTube done? version, um, we've got cats, and so you're gonna they're gonna enter in and out of the shot. We have no control over these feral cats that somehow have invaded our home, but whatever. Trader Legions, 136 page softback covering nine legions and um, we don't know what kind of cool rules there are but on the cover is uh, a zinchian space marine so i'm assuming zinchian terminator is a zinchian terminator, terminator yeah yes. so i'm assuming it's going to cover not only zinch but all of the other different yeah because uh, uh, in the in the trailer there was a little trailer that was dropped yeah that had uh, all the all nine symbols for all nine legions oh that's cool so Alpha Legion rules, man. Oh, Alpha wow. That Legion would be, rules. Yeah, that would be super cool. Iron Warriors. Okay. All right. Now now that now that there is a God Emperor Trump, I <laughs> you know what? That means I have to join the traitor side now. Oh my god. <laughs> so I'm gonna have um this is the perfect reason you, to start uh, an Iron Warriors army. Now that this is the sign. This is the universe's sign that I have to that I have to join the Traitor Legions and start an Iron Warriors. First off, Hazard Stripes everywhere right oh yeah so 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 there's that and then it has that battle automata at forge world that i just keep looking at talking about so oh yeah yeah. oh that autonomous it looks so i think that a likely result is as a result of this trader legion's book we're probably gonna end up picking up a bunch of rubric marine models and maybe even picking up the prospero box so that we can have extra space marine models to start a iron warriors um chaos Chaos Legion. It might. It might just. Be it might necessary. be the case. It might be the case. Whoa. We might get sucked in a thirty k too. Who knows? Who knows? We don't know. This game is too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what to do. Our wallets can't oh handle it, man. We should just start a Kickstarter, so we have everything. Yeah, so a Kickstarter. A Kickstarter. Hey, gonna, fund yeah. us so we can <laughs> buy, buy more stuff. Everything. We're gonna buy everything. It, it'll be. It'll be like the potato salad guy, except better. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Apart from the Trader Legions book, there's a new book that's also being released called Imperial Agents. I'm, ex- yep. I'm excited about this one because the rumor yeah. is it's going to have Inquisition, Sisters of Silence, Custodes, Sisters of Battle, and Assassins. It'll essentially just be all the miscellaneous all thrown like, in Imperial the one. stuff. But that's great. That's one well, book no. that covers all, all of the different armies that are also part of the Imperium. You know, all the organizations that are also part of the Imperium. Um, and that way, I don't have to chase down digital oh, yeah. versions or you know internet versions of all this stuff. Oh yeah, I, I think I think it's great. I think that I I will really enjoy the concept of all these of just getting all giving all these miscellaneous sort of independents but smaller groups their own big codex. Um, it's exciting. It's an exciting time to be in in forty k because of so much great new stuff. So many great new models, uh, and the rules are are coming out fast and furious for your armies. So a lot of love from GW. Really love what you're doing, and then the way they've been sort of promoting it and releasing the information and being part of the community, sort of responding to the community. Yep. In in humorous and timely ways. Yeah, those that's like a, it's a whole new GW. The trailer, the trailer for the uh, hero bases. Oh, the '80s trailer. The '80s trailer oh, that was that fantastic. Was, that was awesome. That was phenomenal. That was fantastic. Okay, All right. love that. Uh, a couple other releases that are indicated are there a couple of uh, look like art books. Uh, yeah, I think they they're like coffee table type. Yeah, uh, in a very '80s uh, kind of artwork on the front. Yeah, there's Index Chaotica, 
which is the Nix Chaotica Apocrypha, and it seems to have like a Terminator Lord. Yeah, like a, a chaos corn, terminator lord, coronate terminator, straight from the 1980s. Oh yeah, he he that is <laughs> that is vintage. And then vintage. there's Index Imperialis Apocrypha, which is uh, like a warlord titan. But man, I, I gotta say, I early think it, 80s, it looks freaking awesome. I, I I think you guys got. I think the Imperials got the better cover. That looks, that <laughs> it looks, looks very good. heavy metal. That looks super good. Well, I'm not exactly sure what those books are yet, and I don't think we've gotten details as to what they are. But my it, my but, guess is there are books I don't know for sure yeah, though. It could but be. They look great for Christmas gifts. Are going to be fantastic for any yep. 40k fan. So this is exciting. I can't wait for these new releases. Anyway, uh, when we have details about you know what they contain, we'll we'll of course share them with you guys. Yep. Yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, we've got a couple of great interviews today. Joining us today will be uh, Reese Robbins from Frontline Gaming, talking about the LVO and talking about 40K in general. Hopefully, giving me some tips on my uh, on my LVO list. Yep. And then also joining us is a frequent contributor and friend Arthur Shulsky. He and I played uh, a game the other night, and so we'll be talking about that. And then uh, after all that, we'll be getting into our battle report which pitched Cult Mechanicus mm-hmm. and Guard yep. versus Corn Demonkin. Okay, all that when we return. Very excited that we've got Reese Robbins as our special guest today. Reese, welcome to the Eye of Terror podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Great that you're here. Uh, I've been following uh, Frontline Gaming for a while. We've been uh, listening to uh, Signals from the Frontline and obviously very interested in what's going on with the ITC and, of course, the LVO, which uh, listeners here uh, know that I've been prepping for. So thank you. Hey, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pleasure and uh, I'm more than happy to come and answer any questions that you may have. I'd love for people to get to know a little bit more about you, the man, the myth, Reese Robbins. Uh, <laughs> uh, how long have you been playing 40K? I've been playing 40K for a very long time. I think I'm pushing, I think I might have been playing for more than 20 years at this point. Oh my gosh, wow. What got what got you into it initially? Yeah, so I mean, I was always a big nerd and I, I started playing tabletop games with uh, Battletech. Battletech first edition when you had the black box with the fold in half card stock uh, mechs, uh, like got me really into it. I started picking up miniatures for Battletech and I was just like in love with them. And then I went to visit family in, in England and my cousins were huge into 40k. Uh, and this was at the end of Road Trader, beginning of second edition. Um, they took me to a games workshop in Cambridge and I bought my first Dark Angels uh, captain. It was love at first sight and I've just I'm still here all these years later, still doing it. So uh, it's been an enduring love, like uh, the the game and the hobby and the community around it. I was introduced to it very young, and I still love it just as much as I did when I was a kid. Uh, It's easy to see that. Uh, I mean, not only have you started a business around it, but you continuously play. Uh, You're very involved in in, in the gaming aspect of it and obviously on the tournament side. So that enthusiasm certainly shows through in your work. Oh, thank you. Uh, What was the first army you started with? Uh, Dark Angels was my first, uh-huh. and then very shortly thereafter, I picked up 
Katachan, uh, Astro Militarum. And yeah, so that's, those were my first two. And I, I pretty much only played those for quite some time. And then I picked up Harlequins and I had the, uh, the old Citadel Journal Harlequin Army beautiful models. They still hold up to, 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 to this day. The original Harlequin models are still awesome. And that was my third army. And now I have like a dozen. Of course, yeah. <laughs> if something new comes yeah. out and we got to get it. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, what's your primary army right now? Um, I switch. I don't get the opportunity to, to really focus on mastering an army like I used to because uh-huh. we're always trying the new stuff. Uh, I think the army I played the most this year was Ash Militarum, though. And last year I played uh, Orcs almost exclusively. That was my, my go-to army. But then um, I still do play uh, Space Wolves on occasion. I really enjoy them. And uh, my foot dog will be coming back in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the army's almost done being painted. I don't have a lot of time to paint anymore, which is a bummer because I really enjoy the hobby aspect too. We love the hobby aspect here, constantly talking about that next army that we're working on all the time. And just like you, anytime a new army comes out, it gets exciting. We get all excited. We start ordering a bunch of models and start putting them together. So it seems like, well, we have our favorites. There's always some, the best army is the next army, it seems, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the best, that's one of the coolest things about this hobby too is sometimes it's just like a picture or, or a line of text and it'll inspire you to go out and make a whole new army because you have an idea that's just so cool. Totally. I mean, I wasn't that excited about Death Watch and then the Corvus Blackstar came out and oh my God, I saw that flyer and I like right away, I knew that suddenly Death Watch was an army I had to have because just, I had to justify bringing that flyer into games. It's so gorgeous. Yeah, that's happened to me many times. I built a whole corn Demon King army around a converted Chaos Knight. Badass. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with this guy. So, <laughs> that's how we think. <laughs> that's how we think. That's how they got us. No, that's great. That's great. So how often are you playing right now? I am actually playing a lot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm playing almost daily, uh, which sometimes is really challenging because uh, when you get into the business of gaming, it's sometimes hard to find time to actually game. But uh, right now, uh, I'm actually playing quite a bit. I usually, I average, I'd say, one or two games a week normally. Yeah, lately it's been a lot more, uh, the volume has been a lot higher. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and we, we see, obviously, a lot of you on screen. But we're also starting to see other people besides you and Frankie on the channel, which is great, showing uh, uh, different uh, members of Frontline Gaming and uh, different team members also uh, contributing games and uh, Friday Night Fights and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, t- yeah tell yeah, us about yeah, them. Yeah, so I mean, we have... Uh, the other people that usually hop on the cameras, we have a lot of uh, uh, friends that will come. Some of our paint crew, like Brandon, one of our, our best painters. Mm-hmm. And we also have uh, Jason, whose nickname is the Raw Dogger, the Raw Dog, uh, and Pablo, P-Pob. And then, of, of course, we have Mariana, too, on our team. who uh, She plays Age of Sigmar. And that, that's the, kind of the normal crew that you'll see uh, on our YouTube channel or, or on our podcasts. It's going to be my first LVO, my first tournament, actually. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm still getting used to the ITC format. Uh, so, you know, never, never having gone to a tournament, let alone an LVO, uh, an ITC tournament. So, uh, for someone like me, what are some of your like sort of top recommendations? Like first time player, there's going to be, I would imagine a number of them. Sure. You got your professionals or the people that play consistently on the ITC. Um, and they have amazing lists and, you know, hopefully I run into a few of them as before they destroy me. <laughs> to sort of maximize my experience, the experience of someone who's coming for the first time to an event like this, what should you keep in mind? 
Yeah, absolutely. So there's logistical things. Uh, you want to make sure that you have a really easy way of transporting your army around. Um, what we often do is uh, bring like a, a uh, like a TV dinner tray, something like that. Yep. Uh, something you sit on your lap. Uh, sometimes we'll take it out of the uh, hotel room, like where the coffee is served. Up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, per- it's the perfect size. And of course, make sure you put it back, right? Like you don't want to get charged for it. But <laughs> right. uh, during the daytime, I've done it many times where, uh, especially if I'm flying, I can't carry a, a display board in my backpack. So I just grab the coffee tray and then you put your army on, you can get around. Or if you do have a display board, make sure it's not excessively big. That gets to be hard to maneuver through the aisles. But you, you, you definitely want to make sure you have an easy way to get your army around. That's, I'd say, like, A, number one, make sure that you have all your army lists with your name on it. Uh, make sure that they're legible. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's another big one is a courtesy to your opponents. And then when, you, when you're at the event, uh, besides the logistics of just getting yourself around and communicating information to your opponent, make sure that you play all the missions at least once for every mission. More if you can, because then you're not at the table trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing you got butterflies because it's your first big event and the lvo is astoundingly big you you have a little shock and awe when you first walk into the the room it's absolutely massive and uh you you just want to put yourself into as comfortable and relaxed of a mind frame as you can so that you're enjoying your games so you just want to think through all those like how am i going to get from a to b uh how can i make facilitating uh, communicating with my opponent as easy as possible things like that in, in, in regards to, to just kind of like the, the basic fundamentals. And then, it, of course, practicing the missions uh, and then reading the FAQ, getting yourself familiar with that so that you don't have any instances of, oh, this does what? Or, oh, that's what this is. You don't want a gotcha moment where you're the one that's getting got, right? right. So um, just repetitions and getting as much practice in as you can will maximize your enjoyment at the event. Uh, and when you're there, of the people there are going to be super friendly and cool. You're going to have a really, really good time. The people that you're playing with are are almost all there just to have fun. Uh, It's really only the top 10% of the field where it's real competitive. Right. So once you get in there and you're going and you're you're having fun games, uh, you'll get into a a groove and and it'll be super fun. But we call it the watching someone get the bug. Uh Uh When they go to a tournament and then they just go, wow, that was incredible. And then they start going to every tournament that they can. Uh, it's really neat to see that, to see someone have their first experience be so so positive. And, and that's what usually happens. Like walk me through a day, a typical day. Like I have no idea what to expect. I'm going to show up there with my coffee tray full of my army and I walk in, 600 people in the room. What what happens next? So you want to get there early on the first day so that uh, actually what you want to do is go to register on Thursday night. Right. That's pro tip. Yep. So then Friday you don't have to wait in the registration line, right? You just come down. You want to be there like at least 30, 45 minutes early. Okay. And that way you can get yourself uh, relaxed. As soon as we finish registration, the pairings go up. Usually you have quite a bit of time. Go get yourself to your table, get your stuff out, get your list out, and uh, and then just be ready to rock and roll. Once it starts, it, it, it's a long day, but it go you'll, you'll blink and you're like, oh man, it's already done. What the heck? That was crazy. And uh, you get into a groove and then it's nice and easy, but... It's just really getting yourself situated for that first game. You want to get to your table as soon as you can. You know, talk to your opponent, go over their list, go over your list. You know, kind of make friends right out right out the gates, and then uh, start playing early if you can, just to get yourself into a groove to for the rest of the event. How many games can we expect in a day? You'll be playing three games a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are fortunate enough to make it to the finals, mm-hmm. you will play another three games on Sunday. 
Mm-hmm. You know, ninety, what is it, ninety-three or ninety-six percent of the field does not make it that far. So on uh, Sunday, you can either go out and enjoy Vegas. You can play in. Uh, we have a one-day RTT mm-hmm. uh, where we break everybody up into groups of eight, and they play a three-round little uh, mini tournament to start the next season with some points right out the gates. Uh, there's a there's some casual gaming on Sunday. The 40k um, apocalypse game is on Sunday. So there's a lot of other fun stuff you can do uh, on Sunday. Or you play a different game, uh, watch the Super Bowl at our Super Bowl viewing party. There's a lot of fun stuff to do um, after your, uh, the Friday and Saturday where most people will be done. How long are the games? Two hours and 45 minutes. Okay. All right. Now that's all in. They basically got 245 to do everything. Deploy and then do your, finalize your scoring, right? Yeah, so that's a, that's a big part of tournament play is managing the time, managing the clock. Right. So you, you definitely want to be mindful of time. That that's critical because it's a bummer when you get to the end and you're like, oh, we're only on turn three. Oh, you know, crap. You you need to be mindful of how quickly you're playing and of how quickly your opponent is playing because it's very easy to get caught up. You kind of lose a sense of time because you're you're so focused and you're having so much fun, but you need to have like your third eye on the clock at all times so that you can be uh, uh, mindful of how quickly or slowly you're going. Uh, what about significant others? I, I'm, I'm bringing one of mine. Oh, my, I mean, my only one. <laughs> not one of mine. <laughs> oh, my God. Just if, put... if they are not a gamer, yeah. it's cool because we have daytime social events for significant others. But it's designed for wives and girlfriends, but it's, it's open right. to anybody, right? You don't have right. to be a female uh, to, to participate. Uh but what they are is it's basically fun stuff during the day. And there's a group of like, it's usually 20 to 30 uh, uh, significant non-gaming others that uh, go on day trips around Vegas. Like they go to Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Uh, they go and get, you know, manicures. Sometimes they go uh, get brunch and uh, basically just make friends and then cruise around Vegas and do fun stuff that's not associated with gaming. If they do want to be in the hall and do do stuff there, there's a ton of things to do, like demo games, uh, hobby classes, uh, open gaming for board games and stuff like that. Uh, we try to make we try to uh, give options for people who aren't gaming oriented, though. Yeah, my girlfriend is um, uh, she's coming along. She's actually I actually got her to play uh, Kill Team not that long ago. It it, it turned out to be my number one uh, listened to episode of the Eye of Terror. So for some reason, guys like to hear women talk about uh, 40K. Yes, I do. <laughs> it is a silver bullet, man. I know, it uh, is. Uh, so she's going. Do you think it's about female gamers or how to like bridge the gap to your non-gaming significant other is like super popular right. uh, content? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, well, she's got a, she's got a full pass, so she's going to be hanging around and uh, checking out you know, uh, all the aspects of the LVO, probably coming by and seeing how I'm doing. Uh, and then go off and checking out all the different other areas. Because talk about the other uh, games, gaming systems, and companies that are also going to be there. I hear it's going to be it's going to be like packed with not, other non forty k stuff, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Privateer Press is there. They're going to do some product unveilings. Forge World will be there. So if anybody wants to come and pick up some Forge World goodies, oh. you can. That's awesome. Uh, is, are they bringing product? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh wow. There, there, and there's going to be some new models that are seen for the first time in North America at the LVO. They, they've been dropping some hints of debuting a Black Library novel as well uh, at the event. Um, but there's uh, we have six millimeter science fiction gaming. We have fantasy gaming, obviously Age of Sigmar, 
we have uh, Kings of War, uh, War Machine and the Hordes, X-Wing Armada. There's so much going on. Uh, Pathfinder, as I mentioned, pretty much any t- type of tabletop gaming that you're interested in, you can find it uh, at the Las Vegas Open. And if anybody can't make it, which we hope you, that, that any of your listeners do decide to come because it is so much fun, if you'd like to check it out on Twitch, we will be broadcasting uh, all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday on our Twitch channel, which is Frontline Gaming underscore TV. That's all one word. And uh, we'll have coverage going uh, all day, all three days. And Games Workshop will be live streaming all day, all three days on their Facebook page as well. Uh, can I bring a recorder? Can I bring a little a little GoPro setup to record some of the game in action? I think uh, I've been talking about the LVO so much on the podcast. I think people might be interested to see how, how well or not well I do. Yeah, please do. We think that's great. Awesome. We'll be live blogging the event too. Um, uh, Pablo does that on our blog. Yep. So people who can't don't have access to like video or whatever, or they prefer just to read, we're going to be giving the information in as many different ways as we can to let people understand like how cool it actually is to be there. What, what, what's the number one tip you could give for anyone attending the LVO? The number one tip for anybody coming to the LVO is to just come with the attitude that you're there to have a really good time. Great. To make new friends because. The really the best part, if you ask any like tournament diehard, like people like us that will go to like every tournament we possibly can, it, the friendly competition is great. But what the what you will hear most frequently is it's seeing your friends that you only see at the conventions at the tournaments, because you, you become a part of a community of people that really love have a passion for it, and you get to see them only a couple times a year, and that that becomes the best part is the friendships. Okay, before I let you go, I want to run a I want to run a little aspect little basic aspect of my list and then you you tell me what i need to do to make it better to you know start all over or whatever so let me let me just run this by you and you you tell me all right so i'm, I'm kind of leaning right now to bringing um a war convocation okay nice good okay. choice war convocation um my limiting factor is going to be my knight because I, I i have a knight errant with a thermal cannon and the reaper chainsword and then I, I, I don't yet have any any sort of carapace mounted weapon. So I'm kind of like right now le- going to leave it as is. Um, I just don't have good luck with knights. So I, I figure if I sink more points into it, I'm just going to die anyway to gossfire or something. That being said, that being said, um, I'm pretty excited to bring uh, the War Convocation because I paired that up with a Void Shield Generator. And oh my God, what a yeah. crazy powerful combination with all the heavy grav cannons coming from the Cataphon Destroyers. Just sort of like wiping things out left and right, but uh, what like what do you think the chances of War Convocation have at LVO, and what are some of the basic counters uh, that I can expect against uh, a War Convocation army? That's a great question. Uh, War Convocation is extremely good. Uh, the number one player in the ITC, Matt Root, that's what he plays, and um, one of the best players on our team, Jeff Ingetor uh, Robinson, has been playing that too. Although he just switched to Genesis the Court. But uh, War Convocation is an exceptionally good army because it's flexible. It can adapt. And you have extremely good special rules, your uh, canticles. That's the, the secret sauce of the yep. War Convocation. And the biggest hurdle with the army is actually knowing what all your stuff does. <laughs> so you, you, and it, it's true. What, what we recommend when people pick up War Convocation is it's a really popular army. It's, it's, it's a beautiful army. It's fun. It's fun to play against. It can be a little bit frustrating to play against it when they have a two-up save for the two turns, but in, in, in general terms, it's really a fun army. Uh, write down um, on 3x5 index cards all your stuff, right? And then just have a little cheat sheet there, uh, like, okay, don't forget to do this. Okay, I'm not going to forget to do that. 
in regards to the night, yeah, the night errant is, is good. But um, I, what I think is the the real money maker is mm-hmm. the Crusader mm-hmm. with the battle cannon, the Gat, Avenger Gatling cannon, and the missiles. He is just so good. I mean, the errant's good too. You're not going to go wrong with it. Um, I would definitely throw the carapace weapon on it when you get the chance because why yep. not? It's free. That's true. Uh, yeah. And I've actually been leaning towards the whirlwind launcher on that as opposed to the crack missiles. I've, I've, I've found it to be more useful mm-hmm. uh, for taking out those little you know, MSU scoring units that people are, are so fond of in this edition. Uh, repetitions, you need to know what your army does because it's so easy to forget. Uh, and then the other thing to bear in mind is if, if, if and when GW's FAQ is ever finalized, you're not going to be able to use draw pods anymore. It changes the way that army plays significantly. And what we've seen people do is they're taking a Librarius Conclave, smashing that in there, and now you've got all the psychic buffs, and then the army, uh, you lose the mobility of the drop pods, but you gain the flexibility of all those crazy psychic powers. Yeah, right now, I, I have kind of built the army without w- thinking that the FAQ will be finalized before February. At this point, who knows, right? I just don't, right. I don't know. So right, so I've eliminated drop pods, uh, War Convocation, and I don't have any psychic abilities yet. So I'm thinking either... Maybe bring a unit of Sisters of Silence to stop psychic shenanigans, yes. or yes. or bring librarians in a librarian's conclave or something like that. I think either going either direction would be really effective. The other nice things about the Sisters of Silence is that they give you counter assault. Yep. Um, I would I would go with a mix of flamers and the swords personally. I think that's the optimal uh, kit. And it, that you, you've got yourself a stew, as as the raw dog likes to say. <laughs> and. Uh, you're going to do extremely well, but then again, it's just like you got to know your army, and that just takes practice uh, because it's so complex. You have so many interacting, uh, you have so many spinning wheels that, that you need to understand very acutely what they all do. Otherwise, you'll forget stuff, and you're not going to be playing as well as you could. I'm going to try to play them as often as I can between now and then, whether it's, in a, it's an ITC format or not, just so I can get used to the rules. In fact, tonight I've got a game. Uh, a buddy of mine, Arthur Shulsky, has also appeared on the show. He's, he's bringing a secret army. He won't tell me what he's bringing. So I'm going to bring in uh, Admech as my main army and then uh, just a continuum of Death Watch because um, I just wanted to play with my Death Watch models. But mostly to practice my, my, ad, uh, my Cult Mechanicus canicles just so I get used to the, what they do and what they don't do. Um, what's, a good, what's a good counter against the War Convocation? What should I really watch out for? You know, they don't, they don't really have a hard counter. I mean, the, the thing that's going to give you the most trouble is ignores, is high power, ignore cover shooting. The Hunter's Eye, which is a.k.a. the stupidest piece of war gear in the game, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Grab Centurions is going to give you trouble because mm-hmm. they ignore your uh, main defense, which is the, um, shrouding. Uh, right. If you've got a void shield generator, then you've gone a long way towards stopping that, and that's, that's a good call. But in general terms, that... High high strength, high volume of ignore cover shooting is going to give you uh, any army that relies on cover saves is going to give you trouble. Tau, tau could be a, a tough match too. Yeah. Seeker missiles just are brutal against uh, those T three models. So sisters of uh, sisters of battle in plastic. Uh, what do you think? Are they coming? Yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's highly likely that that's going to occur. Uh, GW is releasing so much cool stuff; it only makes sense. Mm-hmm. To do sisters, uh, when when that happens, I don't know, but uh, I definitely think that that's a, a safe bet. Well, I better start saving my money because sisters of battle come out, and me, like I'm sure, like everybody else, is just gonna just get that army. It it, it oh yeah. 
Sisters of Silence are any indicators to what the models are going to look like, oh, it's going to be completely badass. Exactly. Yeah, me too. It'll yep. be my 13th Army for sure. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> awesome. Well, Reese, I want to thank you for spending time with us and uh, talking about the LVO and all this other stuff. Really enjoy what you're doing on Frontline Gaming. Uh, it's great. Looking forward to the LVO in February. Uh, maybe give us one final uh, wrap-up of uh, details for the LVO and where we can all watch and see uh, Frontline Gaming stuff. Yeah, thank you for having me and thank you for the kind words. It's, it's really appreciated. Um, it helps cancel out some of the negative comments we get <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the Las Vegas opening is February 3rd through the 5th at Valley's Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, you can go ahead and get more information at lasvegasopen.net. That's the site for the event, uh, or the URL for the event site. Um, and there's going to be all kinds of gaming uh, for everything from Games Workshop to Privateer Press and, and everything in between. And if you can't make it and you'd like to watch the event, you can do so on our, on our Twitch channel, which is Frontline Gaming underscore TV. That's all one word. And then if you can't watch the live stream, we will repost it on YouTube as well. So. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing you at the LVO, if not sooner. Definitely online. Appreciate it. Reese Robbins, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much. You have a great day. All right. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. back so visiting today is friend of the show and sometimes contributor arthur shulsky arthur thanks for joining us on the eye of terror thanks for having me okay we just finished a 1500 point game of uh, cult mechanicus and death watch versus space wolves librarius conclave and assassins okay so, uh, it was a fun game we went by really fast 1500 points flew by yeah flew by first time facing death watch what what do you think you know, I love the models. I think we said, like, you know, it's a squad full of peacocks. They yeah. look gorgeous. George <laughs> yep. painted them beautifully. There's a lot of utility in the unit. And I, but, and, and I think that is one of their strengths, is that they have so much utility. They can handle so many different things. But I think that's also a big weakness of theirs, is that it's really hard to specialize. You know, it's a lot, it's a lot different than a, than a Devastator squad attacking a flyer. Or a you know tactical squad attacking a unit of gaunts, a death watch squad has a lot of points to attack everything, and they're not necessarily exceptional but exceptional at anything, but they're very good at everything. So yeah, I think it's a weakness I, and a strength. At the same I, time. I think so. I think they're uh, Swiss Army knives, and you know Swiss Army knives aren't the best knives, but they sure are handy. Yeah, right. They have a sure. blade for everything, and I think that's what death watch is. They're not the best. You know, you're gonna get a fancy knife. To do things they can do better, but they do a pretty good job. So let's talk about quickly talk about the armies you brought, and then I'll talk about my squad, um, and then we'll talk about the game a little bit. Sure. I brought obviously Space Wolves. Uh, it was a, I love. It's one of my guilty pleasure lists. I brought three uh, full deep striking drop pod uh, blood claw squads. Uh, Sergeant has power fist storm shield, two rune priests with force with uh, storm force axes. And then I brought a Librarius Conclave, uh, uh, Larry, Curly, and Moe, <laughs> as I like to model them. All roll on telepathy, all level two, all have four saxes. And then I brought a Calexus Assassin. 
Ooh. Oh, and then three lone wolves with Terminator armor, uh, Thunder Hammer, Storm Shields. All right. Now, you told me this is a pretty effective army, and you beat some pretty good experienced players with this army, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah. It's, it, it surprises a lot of people. It, it's tough. It's tough, and it, you can right away, uh, Space Wolves are in your face because of the yep. belt pods. And, yeah. and it's point effective. It's almost as point effective. I mean, I'm not saying it's as point effective as Gladius, because right. Gladius have you get free points. Right, right. But 12-point Blood Claws. Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, and they get four attacks on the charge. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. I put together a list that I thought was fun. I want to really want to practice with my cult mechanic because I'm thinking War Convocation for the LVO, so I want to get as much cult mech experience as possible. So I brought a CAD of cult mech, Tech Priest Dominus, and my troops were Cataphron Destroyers with the heavy grav cannons. Mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One unit had Cognus Flamers, and the other unit had the Phosphor Blasters. Um, those secondary weapons didn't even come into effect throughout the game, really. Yeah, it was the heavy grab cannons that were the stars. I don't know if I'm a big fan of the heavy flamers. Um, I don't think you want. It. I think because it's gonna it forces you to want to get those guys close. No, you know what they're for? They're for assaults. They're basically okay. I want to do a wall of death, and then if you've got suddenly up to nine, you know, uh, strength five, you know, wounds on a on an incoming force, you might do some damage. Still, I think, yeah, I guess you got to balance what you want to look. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, they're not great. But to me, they're defensive. They're defensive weapons. They're not offensive weapons. Okay. So that's what they're for. I'm really relying on the on the heavy grab. Uh, so that was the cult mech. Oh, yeah, I also brought Castellan Maniple, Robot Maniple. So that was two robots, a Data Smith, and then I, I threw in the tech uh, priest in there to basically repair them. Yep. My uh, unit of Death Watch, uh, I brought in the Corvus Black Star, which is their flyer. Uh, that sexy beast. Oh, it's so me. It's beautiful and it looks like a flying bat. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so it's its first time on the battlefield. So I was really happy about it's that. It's kind of like a mini fire raptor. That's yeah. an assault transport. It's almost <laughs> right. kind of what it is. It's got uh, it's got transport capacity of twelve. So I, I filled it with 11, 11 dudes in there. Um, I picked the strategium formation for Death Watch, um, which uh, basically gives the unit if 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 uh, you pick a captain to lead them. Six up, feel no pains for the entire unit, which is great. And then within the Strategium Command command uh, formation, I also picked Pergatum Strike Force, mm. and that allows you to reroll any wound rolls against any any units with HQs in it, which I totally forgot to do the entire game. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, but it but it allowed me to pick a bunch of really cool. I had the the frag cannon in there. I had the heavy thunder hammer guy in there. I had a librarian in there. I had a terminator with a storm shield and thunder hammer. The best weapon in that squad is that heavy flamer. Yeah, you mean the the frag cannon? Oh, oh, far and away. The, the, the heavy is the frag the cannon frag the cannon. one with the the two shot yeah. heavy flamer. Yeah, that's. So that's yeah. So I was able to lay that template down later on, just to get you know later on in the game. I was able to lay that down onto your um, unit of uh, space wolves and librarians. Yeah, invis. Yeah, in they were invis, but yep. it didn't matter because it didn't matter. And I was able to roll basically sixteen. Oh, it was I got fourteen out of sixteen wounds on those guys. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. I got to get me another one of those models. The, the heavy frag cannon is just so good. So can you put multiple? Like, can you build out the, the squad in any way you want? Yeah. So I could basically do a whole squad of nothing but those guys. If you it, bought 12 with, box with a, sets of Death Watch? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. $600 later. <laughs> yeah. It's worth it. <laughs> um, you, there's some requirements. Like, you have to have a Terminator. You have to have a librarian in that particular squad. Okay. You have to have, you know, X number of veterans in there. And one of them has to have the Stalker Bolter or the Stalker Bolt Sniper Rifle or something. 
But pretty much, it, it gives you a lot of freedom. It's expensive. It's expensive. But man, is it effective. Go back to what you said earlier. It's a, it's a, it's a Swiss Army it's knife. knife. Right. It's, it's a just Swiss Army knife. a Swiss Army knife that cost almost half the size of all of the rest of your camping gear. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I didn't bring a tent, but I brought a Swiss Army knife. It's really cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, that unit alone with the Corvus Blackstar came to almost 700 points. Gosh. Yeah. So. I, I mean, I, I just, I think you need to give them invis if you're going to invest that much money into them. I tried rolling for it. I didn't get it. Yeah, you got to get invis. Didn't get it. You know, what's the best way? Tigerius? Or you tight somehow bring a Tigerius to the Librarius Conclave. Yeah, if, put if in you, that yeah. If if you brought in a Librarian Conclave, you would be able to do it. Um, at least get you wouldn't be able to. Oh well, yeah, you could. You could or probably, just bring Tiggy. Yeah, you might be able to get yeah. It. I just don't like Ultramarines, so yeah. I will never bring Tiggy. You're just I hate bring a Librarius Conclave because if you think yep. about it. Yep, I agree. What is I mean a library? Let's me my Librarius Conclave was for three level two psychers. I don't know under. So definitely under three hundred points. Right. So, you know. Yeah, but that then you're sinking like, like almost a thousand points, into one, one unit in one Corvus Black Star that could get blown out of the sky. Yeah, I, for technical, you know, for competitive gameplay. Oh no, I, I don't think you'd ever want no, to bring no. it. Death Watch is totally fluffy. It's all fluff. Yeah, they're fun models, they're beautiful models, but they're not going to be competitive. This is beer hammer time yes. with these guys. Yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the game. We rolled the relic. I chose table sides, and then you chose who got to deploy first, and you made me deploy first. Tell me why. Because I had a, pretty much an entire drop pod list and deep strike list, uh, except for my Klexus Assassin. So I completely null deployed him, his shooting army and made him completely skip an entire turn of shooting by not having any models on the board. Yeah, and that was great. Um, I, I Once I saw the drop pods, I kind of knew that was going to happen. I was I, I kind of didn't care, though, because I, I was going to rely on all the heavy shooting com coming from their destroyers. Turns out that that first turn, I killed a lot of, uh, oh, <laughs> a lot of space puppies. Oh, got first blood. Yeah, I got first blood. Um, killed a whole squad of blood claws. Yeah, just with the heavy destroyers. They just, they just wiped them out. Just... Crushed, literally turned them into, into tin cans. Grav is really strong. Yeah, it is. It I is. would say, how many of those destroyers come in the? Um, what's the? What's what do you bring in LVL? How many of those destroyers? Uh, just two units. Just two units. Yeah, but maybe I should bring three. How many points are is this unit of three? Um, I have to look it up. I don't That's know. all right. Well, hold on. Actually, we uh, sing a song while I look it up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> entertain entertain the people well I'll tell you about my turn so okay, after me. after George wiped one of my blood claw squads um, I kind of saw the writing on the wall and knew that I had to get out of the uh, middle of the battlefield with the relic fast so I kind of started moving my guys out of the, out of the middle and I charged my Klexus assassin straight into his robots because I knew that the Klexus would have a good time good a good potential opportunity to tie him up I deep striked Mo and his librarius conclave and the blood claws in the back Gave him a invis because I was expecting to bait out your what a death watch right and then which worked your death watch came in turn four and you were like do I have to assault the one standing blood claw with the relic or do I assault the invis full blood claw three libraries conclave and room pre squad that is within charge distance of the relic and George I think George picked wisely. He took. He tried to take out the Invis squad with like all the power hitters and all the you know heavy heavy hitters, 
and ignored the single blood claw in the middle of the board with the relic and used your shooting to take him out. Yeah, it, it came down to uh, it came down to the final, basically the final turn. Um, your collects assassin is incredible in uh, assault because you can only hit him on a six, and he has a four up invuln save. So he totally tied down my my robot maniple. He had two giant robots, a data smith and the tech priest, all whiffing at him oh. while he was dodging. Eventually, they got him, but by that time, a terminator, a lone wolf, a lone wolf had, got in had, there. had joined the the fray, and he just tied up those guys. And that's too expensive of a unit. That's like a three hundred ninety point unit, and that's too expensive to just keep tied up. But you did a great job with one hundred fifty point model I'm tied a, up all those dudes. That that Clux's assassin has tied up so many power hitting squads. I've tied up. You know, eight eight man units yeah. uh, with of chaos Nurgle spawn with uh, level two you know sorcerers for three or four turns in a row. Yeah, and it's, it's just like it, you know. it's really good. And you also did something that I thought was really cool and really unique. You used your librarians as batteries to charge the Kalexis's psychic attacks. Yes, he's got that psychic gun. So this list has, that is awesome. This list has a fun mechanic because. One of two things are going to happen for me with this list. I'm either going to get really lucky with invisibility, and I'm going to get at least two of the librarians to get invis, and I might get one of the room priests to get forewarning. If that doesn't happen, which it didn't in this game, only one of the librarians got invis, and no forewarning by the, with the room priests, I'm going to be able to use the Kalexis as, as pretty much an artillery battery, drop it right in, drop all the drop pods around the Kalexis, and he could be able to shoot like 10... 12 shots of his uh, whatever side gun he has at whatever model's near him. And that thing is really, yeah, really that, mean. I think that thing ended up taking out two of my Cataphron Destroyers. Yeah, before yeah. my Kalexis assaulted, yeah. Yeah, so um, I think it was great. Uh, by the way, Cataphron Destroyers are 180 uh, points for the unit. They're 60 points each model. Okay. So just by himself, that guy took out 120 points. And more importantly, he took out six grab shots a turn. Or twelve grab shots a turn. Yeah. So he he he. I think he was probably your MVP. Well, the biggest problem with the collectors too is that you know, and I've been to tournaments where, where people have not played this right, but it is the collectors negates your own psychic powers. So if I have my own invisible squad within twelve inches of a collectors, I can't use invis. So you have to really be careful with that. You know, it's kind of a it's a double-edged sword in a way. But you were real you were really cognizant of it. You always pre-measured. You made sure that your librarians kept a healthy distance from the the null the null head guy. Which didn't matter in the end. Didn't they matter got, in the end. They got butchered. Yeah, Death Watch came in. So what happened in the game is basically the Catafron destroyers did a great job, killed like thirty or like twenty-eight space wolves or something. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, just with the their heavy grav cannons. The Death Watch comes in, killed a whole bunch of the remaining Space Wolves with mostly with the frag cannon. Yeah. Right. And then the the, the remaining librarians and room priests were stuck in combat with the remainder of the um, of the Death Watch. You were really effective hitting back with librarians. Yeah. Because they just, I mean, they had with prescience, pre- and- with prescience, and they were invisible, and then like, yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day. The relic is the only thing that mattered, yep. and yep. your one blood, one blood, one blood claw Bubba. had it. <laughs> Bubba. Poor Bubba, and Bubba made a run for it. He ran. Yep, he made it. <laughs> he ran for it, and he almost got away, 
But in the final round, my cataphrons basically found a small opening in a cathedral. Like a cathedral door yeah. allowed them to see right at Bubba, who's holding the relic, looking around going, all by himself. <laughs> all by himself. And then they just shot him the hell with crap. Yeah. And then so he died. So uh, neither one of us, none of us <laughs> slay the warlord. We both had line breaker. Yep. Nobody had the relic at that point. Yep. Right? It came down to first, first blood, blood. Which is that... It was a Catacomb first Destroyers. Bloods, yeah, first blood, blood cost guys just got wiped. Yep, that was it. You that know? was the game. Fast. Yep. You know, that's what null deployment will do. And, you know, very small model count on the board. I mean, you had what? I had 11 guys in my Death Watch unit plus might the Corvus. models. And then I... models? Yeah, and then I think I had like uh, 1, 3, 4, 5, 11... Um, I, I had eleven, so basically like twenty-two models yeah, 22 on, the, models. on the, twenty-two or twenty-three models on the on the battlefield. And I had about. I'm used to playing horde armies, so I play fast. Yeah. So I probably had fifty models on the board. Yeah. 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 You had thirty blood pots by themselves, me. and pretty then light three drop pods. Yeah. One of your freaking drop pods killed one of the Cataphron destroyers. Which that was yeah, that was awesome. What an ignoble end. first time ever. Yeah, drop, <laughs> the drop pod, pod so is they actually did. storm vulture. Most <laughs> people forget to roll his drop pods. I don't. Never forget to roll your drop pods, kids. <laughs> right. Never. <laughs> okay, I think we'll end on that. <laughs> All right, Arthur. Thanks for joining us today. It was a really fun game. Looking forward to playing you again and uh, training with you for the LVO. So yeah. thanks a lot. No worries. Yep. Thank you, George. Always fun. Okay, we'll be back right after this. Okay, now we're going to get into our battle report. The Cult Mechanicus and Guard versus Chaos Corn Demonkin. Yes, Saruni. Okay, why don't you start off with the description of your list? My list consisted of that ever-loving Demon Prince in blood-forged armor with wings. So that's about 250 points, I believe, flying around. This is the um, Slaughter Cult. This is the Slaughter Cult detachmenter. So we had a Slaughter Cult as the core group with a Herald in charge. Unusual, I didn't take the Chaos War this time. I had two squads of, of corn berserkers. Mm -hmm. uh, one had the herald. They are both in rhinos. Right. Uh, one squad of possessed, also in a rhino, okay. as they always are. I had a charnel cohort with the aforementioned demon prince. Two squads of ten, two ten man squads of blood wetters. I had two five of dog squads of corn dogs. I had one squad of three crushers, and then I had. That oh so wonderful, bloodthirster of insensate rage. Okay, the hardest hitting unit I have ever seen. The, the Mister I can reasonably kill a titan in one turn. I decided to play Colt Mechanicus because I really want to get used to playing Admech uh, as part of the War Convocation for the LVO. So you're gonna see a lot of Colt Mech on this channel pretty soon. All right, so I brought a Tech Dominus. Uh, he was my warlord. He was. Uh, thrown in with a Castellan robot maniple. One of the robots had two power fists and the incendiary, the uh, basically the flamethrower. 
And the other robot had the uh, twin-linked uh, phosphor blaster and then an additional uh, twin-linked or an additional uh, phosphor blaster. They come along with the Data Smith. My troops were two units of uh, Cataphron destroyers with heavy grav cannons. One unit had flamers. The other unit had the phosphor blasters. Uh, that was So that was my Admech army. Yeah. Okay. For uh, my guard allies, I took a infantry squad that consisted of, you know, two 10-man infantry squads, each equipped with one autocannon team and a flamer. Platoon company squad had three plasma rifles in it. My HQ in that unit was Tank Commander Pask. Up oh, there he is. He was in a Punisher. Yep. With heavy bolter sponsons. And then accompanying him was a tank, uh, was a executioner tank with plasma, plasma turret and plasma sponsons. For my heavy support, I took a basilisk. And for my uh, fast attack, I had an armored sentinel with a plasma cannon. <laughs> yeah, which we'll talk about that. Yep, that was, that was amazing. Um, also part of the uh, infantry was a, a unit of 20 conscripts with two Minnesotan priests. So my my, um, my plan was generally going yep. to be that I was going to use the, uh, the heavy grab and the cult mech to disassemble <laughs> and crush everything in its in its 30 range 30 inch uh, range and then yeah. I was going to use the mass of uh, the guards to uh, either park an objective or run after objectives figuring there were so many bodies it'd be, there'd be hard to kill so that was my general thinking about about the army yeah all right we played the LVO mission 2 uh, scenario 2 which was the relic yep and you get four points if you win the relic portion you get four points if you win the Maelstrom mission portion. Yep. There was also Slay the Warlord. There was uh, First Strike, which is like First Blood, but it applies to both both sides. Yep. And then there was Table Quarters. Those were the bonus points uh, in the in the scenario. All right, so let's talk about what happened in the in the game. I won the uh, roll for choosing table sides. Yes, you so, did. So I parked the Basilisk and all the heavy destroyers. Oh, you, I see. So you wait. So you won for deployment, right? I won for get, choosing who goes first. Yeah. You and won. then I went first. Yeah, because, okay, you, you know, went first. So, so, so you deployed first. So yep. talk about your deployment. I actually had pretty sparse deployment since um, my blood letters and the bloodthirster were all coming on later. So it was just flesh hounds, the blood crushers, the two rhinos filled with corn berserkers, and the one rhino filled with possessed. All really just positioned to run. Up, right. as they always are because that's the only strategy for that that army that are like a large amount of deep strike so yeah it wasn't really nothing too spectacular uh except oh yes my demon prince and his and flesh hounds uh ran up the side i think that you that you parked your your sent your what are they, the sentinels the sentries the servitors the cataphron destroyers cataphron destroyers there we go uh, I deployed basically. I, I there was a sky shield landing pad on the terrain, and that's that's the table side I chose. So I parked uh, my basilisk up there, along with um, all the cataphron destroyers up there. Yep. And I spaced them so that it'd be hard for anything to deep strike. I was scared of your blood letters deep striking in and wrecking havoc there. Hmm. So I I kind of spaced them all out so that they'd be hard to um, to deep strike into. I had a chimera as part of the platoon company squad and that, that was parked underneath the, the sky shield. Oh, and I forgot to mention, I also had a unit of electro priests 
Oh yes, yeah, of yeah, course. Electro priest. We you have you have to. You have to. <laughs> the, they're the greatest unit in the entire book. I, you keep saying that, and I keep joking, like, I keep going along with it as if they are. Yeah. But every time that they we play them, they always they, they always out they always like overperform. They, they go. They, I mean, last time they killed like sanguinary guard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was fantastic. So we'll talk about them in a second. Uh, the guard I pretty much set up. Um, they were uh, in a in a large piece of terrain guarding one of the objectives. And then I had the 20 conscripts in sort of like a, a courtyard area behind them. They were sort mm. of out of out of reach. Um, but I had 20 conscripts and the two priests ready to ready to like to launch, ready to, to march if they needed to. Yeah. My two tanks, I set up um, in a little alleyway um, with a pretty clear view of the battlefield. And behind them were the Castellan robots with um, with the tech Dominus priest and the, and the data smith. So that was my that was my deployment. Yeah. Um, OK, so turn one, what happened? So turn one, I ran up. That's my turn one. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's when you play Corn Demon again. You run. Yep, I run up. I run up the field. Run up the field. My turn one. I I pretty much shot at your blood crushers. So my heavy basilisk and my cataphron destroyers all went up and and shot at your blood crushers, killing two of them. I thought that I could basically you you had. Rolling missions that uh, required you to camp your objective one, and um, I thought I could just blast you off of that objective, and I did. I killed two of the blood crushers, but I forgot to notice that your demon prince was also within three inches of objective one. So I failed to stop you from from scoring that objective. Hurrah! But I felt pretty good in that I I, I killed two blood crushers that turn. So that was my turn. That was my turn one. My right. turn two yeah. consisted of running up the field and then deploying the blood letters, uh, who came in all all at once. Uh, uh, talk about how they came in though, because you did something pretty pretty cool there. Oh yeah, the um, due to the rules of the charnel cohort, you can if you deploy within six inches of the demon prince. Yeah, you won't scatter. And if you and I used the chaos instrument, so when I rolled for one, I automatically brought in the other. So that was pretty nice. So they all, so they were all sure to come in at once. Unfortunately, the bloodthirster did not deem it necessary to come in yet, for whatever reason. But hey, that's okay. Yeah, my turn essentially just consisted of showing up with an overwhelming force. Right, and then you moved up your rhinos. That yeah, it had your possessed. And my your rhinos and my berserkers and my flesh hounds moved on near the relic, and my yeah, that's it. So from my perspective, coming up on my right was a whole bunch of demons that suddenly appeared, uh, blood letters that appeared. I had one remaining blood crusher. I had a demon prince coming up at me, and I had uh, two units of flesh hounds, right? Yes. So that's a whole lot of demons. My cataphron destroyers have heavy grav cannons, so normally they're great. But yep. now they were only going to hit the demons by rolling a six to wound because you don't have armor saves. Nope, we don't have armor. That was what I have though is way to fire. Yes, you had the way to fire. But then <laughs> it was, they did they did a really good job of emulating their guard brethren. <laughs> exactly. Four um, four up to hits. On my left on my left flank, I had most of my guard position there. Um, they were sort of center and left, and then coming up on that side were two rhinos, one with a ten man squad of berserkers and one with the possessed. And the possessed also are great in melee and I knew that I, I needed to do something about them. I ended up uh, shooting at 
this uh, group of flesh hounds that were coming up. They were getting very close, uh, getting into melee range. Mm -hmm. um, I shot at them with the uh, Basilisk and with the Electro Priest, and I managed to wipe those out. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you did. The flesh hounds, the flesh hounds. Flesh hounds side. Flesh hounds side. That turn. Um, and I think that's pretty much all the damage I did in, in turn two. And then I think I, I scored some Maelstrom mission for sitting, camping my objective. Oh, I forgot to mention, and I yeah. forgot to mention in my turn too. I had uh, split off the demon prince and had him fly. Oh right, he was now flying into heading toward toward me. Yeah, he yeah. was heading towards you. Turn three. Turn three, my demon prince lands. Yeah, my blood letters move up. I think I oh yeah, this is the turn I deployed all of like every all everyone in, that was in Orion got out, and it was now just the mass horde running towards you. Yes. The whole load of units. And you also secured the uh, the relic. Yeah, I secured with, the relic. With some berserkers. Yep. I, I saw that you secured the berserkers, uh, secured the relic with the berserkers, and then you had an opportunity to run away in the next turn, but you didn't. You ran towards me, and I had, at this point, I had Pask and a Punisher, and I had an Executioner, and you had Flesh Hounds also holding the relic. Yep. I concentrated all my fire on all the units that were holding the relic. Which, the Pask didn't. Huh? Pask died. Uh, Pask eventually died. He died. He, well, he, no, he died uh, before. Before I do that? Oh, fine. He, he died, died before. He died, he died before because the Demon Prince got Yeah, him. Demon Prince was right there behind you. Yeah. Um, but the Punisher, uh, the combination of the Punisher, yep. the Basilisk, yep. and then um, the Imperial Guard yep. ended up wiping out all of the Flesh Hounds who were taking control of the relic. And reducing your uh, berserkers to five five men at this point. Yep. So I was a little confused why you decided to run up the berserkers when maybe they should have grabbed the relic and made a run for it. Because, no, you killed no, you killed the uh, squad holding the. You're thinking of the other squad. You killed the squad holding the the relic. They didn't get the opportunity to. Run oh, okay. Away. They okay. never I, got. I the killed them before. To run away. I got okay. Yeah, they. So those guys never got the opportunity to run away. And same thing for the flesh hounds, I believe. Um. Yeah. The, then I then I started. Um. It was at this point the uh, bloodthirster had already come in. He had phone on the table. Yeah. So I was waiting to see what unit he would. Essentially, he was like a, he's just. He's good for killing one unit, before dying. Cause that 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 was generally the idea. He would he would kill a big unit. And then he would disappear because he would get shot to death. The rest of the battle consisted of my Cataphron Destroyers just yep. pinging away at your Berserkers and your Bloodletters. Oh, there Oh, there was the most entertaining... There was a few entertaining um, battles that we had. Yeah. Uh, the Possessed wading into the conscript, <laughs> yeah. for example. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Possessed did come in. Uh, I shot everything in Overwatch. I even gave them... I think you killed one in Overwatch. I killed one in Overwatch. Well, that was like 40... Yeah. 40 last gun shots. Yep. And I only, I only ended up killing one. You were really great on your saving rolls with the Possessed. They, yeah. They made all their saving they rolls. They made all their saving rolls. They just... That turned into like a hairball melee that, that lasted like three turns. Uh, there was the really funny one between like the squad of... What was it? Like five? What was it like three? Or no, it was like two. It was a two corn berserkers versus your three remaining electro priests. Yes, that's right. And the... Uh, oh, no, four. It was four electro priests versus two berserkers. Two berserkers and a herald. Two berserkers. No, uh, the herald had already died before the combat had begun. Oh, okay. So it was just those two versus the four electro priests. 
And um, you, you would normally think that Berserkers could just easily wipe out. They wiped out. They wiped out three, and then the there was a little bit of a stalemate. Then the, the remaining Electro Priest killed a Berserker, and then the game ended before the combat continued. But it was essentially one Berserker and one Electro Priest going at <laughs> it, it, which out. that would look hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it would an Electro Priest versus a Berserker? Sure, that would full be full power armor. An Electro full... Priest. Who looks like a Shaolin monk? This is true. This is true. Electro gauntlets <laughs> fighting a giant. Uh, that would look story. awesome, man. That would look awesome. That, sort of a Shaolin monk with electro fists. Oh man, man. that 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 is. Mm. So mm. the great the fools about the electro priests are they're, yep. they have these gauntlets, the electrostatic gauntlets that uh, have a twelve inch range, but they're twelve. That they're also twin linked. Their strength four. You don't think that's that big deal? But they, they have exploding sixes. So if they roll uh, a six on the to hit, they get two additional hits. And then it always and that's constantly resulted. They always in do additional more additional hits. So they end up doing you think. way more damage than you do. The fact that they're twin linked and they had and they can those sixes explode, just end up doing a ton of extra hits on a unit. And then uh, on the defensive side, yep. they have a five up invuln save, which is fine. But then they have five up feeling feel pain. pain. Super okay. resilient and super tough. Not well, it's funny because when you hear two five up saves, it's like okay, that's all right, that's not amazing, but they just somehow for some reason in all of our games they've, they've always made, done the same yeah. thing and they they always just do way better than they should. Yeah. They always so, just do way better than they should. A unit of five is ninety points, and it seems a little pricey, but it turns out it's not. They they hit way above their weight. They ended up killing a unit of flesh hounds. They ended up uh, wading into that fight with the Berserkers and holding them up and eventually turning into a stalemate, which is great. So so the rest of the battle, you ended up killing both my tanks. I killed both your tanks. Pass died. Um, uh, Pass died. Your, your, um, your robot mana pole, which was held up in the back, uh, was axed well, it was, by the Bloodthirster. That blood was the selected target. Right, right, right behind them and then took them out. With one giant swing of the axe, nine D attacks. Yeah, because I that unit. Not okay. That's just it's ridiculous how how it's ridiculous how much of like it's just an insurance of it's two hundred seventy points to two hundred seventy five points to ensure that something is going to die for yeah. sure. Like without and there is no doubt that something will die to this. I think a bloodthirster is incredibly impressive on the battlefield. Absolutely, when it gets into melee. The hard part is getting it into melee. Oh no, that it I don't. Is, it's died a whole bunch of times. I um, don't think that's on the way there. I don't think that's the hard part. the The hard part I feel because it's easy to get in the melee. You just need to fly it. You just need to properly fly it up. Okay. As long as they don't have, as long as they don't have, as long as they're not any anti air stuff. Yeah. Right. As long as they don't have any anti air stuff that also is AP three because it's got a three plus armor save. Yeah. Um. Then you're fine. The hard part is after it's. After it's wiped out a unit, it's basically dead meat. Yeah, then everything can just shoot at it because it's only it's only a three up. Uh, I ended up after you wiped out the the robots, my catapult destroyers user turned their heavy graph cannons all and then yep. launched thirty six shots. Yep. At it and then that just killed its remaining four four wounds. Yep. And it died, so that that killed it. And so the the um, what I ended up doing is that um, the conscripts were holding up the possessed. I ended up wiping out most of the Berserkers. I ended up, the, the last gun fire, the weight of fire from yep. the Imperial Guard, ended up killing most of the 
love letters. And then I had a unit of guardsmen run up and seize the relic in the final turn. Because we tied Maelstrom. Because we, uh, yeah, we tied on Maelstrom, and I ended up winning on Relic. So the, so the, the game, game ended at turn five. Ended at turn five with the roll of the dice. I, I got four points for the Relic. We yep. tied on Maelstrom. Uh, we each sl- slew the Warlord. Yep. And uh, uh, if, if we didn't record, I don't think we, we recorded didn't record table, table quarters because or, or line breaker. But you had line. Breaker. I had line breaker, I, and I didn't. Yeah, I, I think it would have. I think it probably, if I. Because I, I would have just summoned in another unit, like Flesh Hound or something like that, right. to try to take the Relic. And it would have been a fight. And then it would have been a fight. The The other thing to think about was that I had a CAD for the uh, for the Imperial Guard, and so, so the troops had objectives secured. Yeah, but you're fighting Flesh Hounds, or you're fighting a Corn unit. So if, if they had gone to the Coast Assault, I, I don't think there would have been much chance of survival for... Uh, yeah, we never know. Like, never know. I, 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 I highly doubt there would have been it. But at the same time, yeah, if they if enough of them had survived, sure. Right. But I don't think enough of them would have survived if if that had happened, of course. I, my only my only uh surprise I think of the in the game was when you decided to deep strike in your blood letters in front of me. Like way in front of me, which it, which gave me time and and range to shoot them. I thought for sure you were gonna like summon them in right in the midst of my units. And, I can't and I, cause I, I havoc. That's I was I was scared that was gonna happen. I, I could well none of your prior a none of your priority targets were in a position to where I could do that. Okay, so like the open space that you had in your in your table side. Right. Okay, so now I now we're here and I guess we get to charge into conscript. Woo. <laughs> yeah, I I had deployed pretty well. I deploy I'd set up kill zones with the guard. I was kind of hoping to lure you in with some open spots where basically like 40 las guns and turning into 80 las gun shots um, in close range. Uh, was I don't, think, effect. I don't think the las guns actually did that much during this. Um, they ended up putting some wounds on the bloodthirster. They uh, they put put, a, no, they, they put one wound on the bloodthirster. Okay, they put a wound on the bloodthirster. They ended up dropping um, a one to the possessed. They ended up finishing off uh, your berserker a unit of berserkers and they ended up finishing off a unit of bloodletters and that was all just guard shooting yeah but i think the main the main stuff was your tank and your basilisk and your heavy grav cannons like they they don't know wrong they did they contributed but i don't think they were the prime they were a prime player i know they weren't the heavy hitters they weren't the heavy hitters then Um, they were my mvp my i think my mvp my mvp was the uh the cataphron destroyers that yeah what constantly just shoot just destroy things because there's so many shots then i deployed my blood letters in front of that and my blood letters were already sort of um yeah one of your one of your heaviest sort of the cataphron destroyers as you so put had would have difficulty bringing down the blood letters ironically yeah because again no no armor save no armor save just yeah. an invuln save so if they they have it they have an invuln save so they can takes they can take saves against both all your um plasma and all your basilisk shots so i figured yeah why not because if because i don't want i don't want them to mishap by deploying them really close to your units because that would be a dumb way to die yeah and that and i want that and i got assurance of a um good uh, deep strike if i deep strike right next to my um demon prince overall uh fun game yeah fun game 
Fun game. It was good to see Cornemican back on the table. Yeah. We, haven't, we haven't seen him in a while. Though I admit, I am, it, I am, I think, a bit corned out, so it'll be good to have Trader Legions. Yeah. To I'm get a new play, to, to get a new play style. That book comes out December 3rd. Again. I think next weekend or this weekend or sometime soon you can pre order it, but yep. December 3rd. Um, so we're excited. We're excited about that. Yep. That's our episode, episode yeah. 28. We really want to thank you for joining us. Thanks to everyone watching on YouTube. If you. Uh, cat <laughs> and you can see our cats aren't, our aren't cats. there aren't there any professionals anymore <laughs> no these cats what have is no this? sense of boundary what is this uh so if you're joining us on youtube thanks for joining us look for more uh episodes here video episodes they're simple things we're just basically recording us uh recording the podcast but if you want to see us what we look like uh check out our youtube channel which is the eye of terror podcast on youtube we'll have links at our facebook page so please come visit us on our facebook page you can also send us an email at the eye of terror podcast at gmail.com. Please remember to subscribe on iTunes. Please don't let these cats be our own or company. On SoundCloud, please. <laughs> please. Or on Stitcher or on Google Play Music. We're, we're kind of everywhere. Um, with that, I'm George. And I'm Alec. And this is Mystery Cat. And that's Mignon. And we'll see you guys very soon. Thanks for joining us.